Hey, what's up? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Museroom. My name's Katie, and I will be your host as we meander into the lives of inspiring and creative people. This is a hub for makers, thinkers, and anyone else that is doing the work that they truly want to be doing. Welcome back to Museroom. This week on the podcast, I'm sharing a conversation I had with Laura, the founder of Free Period Press, which is a stationery company that focuses on self-care, productivity, and creativity. I wanted to share this conversation this week with you because Laura and I are collaborating on the next installment of Muse Reading Room. If you're not familiar with Muse Reading Room, it's an event series that I started that is centered around inspiring books. For each event, we read a different book and I collaborate with a different business owner. While we will discuss the book at the event, the primary focus is on creativity and connection. So for March, we decided to read How to Not Always Be Working by Marley Grace. If you're in the area and are interested in coming to the event, it is this Sunday, March 31st from 6 to 8 p.m. at Milo and Me in Lakewood. $15 tickets include drink snacks, a freebie from Free Period Press, a coupon to use at Free Period Press, and a coupon to use at Milo and Me. We are going to do some journaling and create a self-care postcard that you can take home with you. And we are actually doing a really cool giveaway. If you head on over to Instagram um, at Museroom Podcast, you can enter for the chance to win a free ticket to the event, a free copy of the book, a habit calendar from Free Period Press, and a $20 gift certificate to Milo and Me. You have until Tuesday evening to enter, so head on over to Instagram soon. I'm super excited for you guys to hear this conversation. Laura is such a smart and intentional person, and I loved hearing about her creative process and how Free Period got started. In our chat, we discussed social media and what she has been doing to take care of her relationship with it, what her childhood was like, how she first got the idea to start Free Period Press, which started with an adult coloring book, of course, her creative process, and so much more. I think you're going to love this conversation, so let's get into it. But first, I want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors. This episode is made possible by Jar Goods. Jar Goods is a women-owned company, and they are on a mission to bring inspiration back to -to ready-to-cook pantry staples. Their mission started in 2015 when they launched their Classic Red, Classic Spicy, and Classic Vodka tomato sauces. These sauces contain more tomatoes, more olive oil, are thicker and richer, and more flavorful than other brands. They're also super versatile, so you can use them in more than just pasta. Try these sauces in chili or on a pizza or in ratatouille. The mission continued when they launched their beet and basil pesto and their vegan vodka. The sauces are completely natural and clean label, non-GMO verified, and woman-owned certified. You can try Jar Goods today for 20% off your first order when you use the code MUSEROOM, all caps at checkout. Just go to jargoods.com museroom to grab your sauce and use the code MUSEROOM, all caps, at checkout for 20% off your first order. This episode is also sponsored by Free Period Press, which is today's guest. 
Free Period Press creates stationary products that are focused on things like self-care, productivity, and creativity. You will find out all about how Free Period Press got started in today's episode, but you can get 15% off your order by using the code MUSE, M-U-S-E, all caps at checkout. All right, now on to the episode. Enjoy. Yes. Um, okay, so where were we? we? I was asking you about what has been inspiring you. Yeah. What has been, is there anything that happened recently? What's been keeping you moving and grooving? Um, Inspiration-wise, there are so many women in Cleveland that are hosting community events and really focused on community building, and so that has been a huge inspiration for me. So Maria with your local girl gang and Gia and Alexis with Creative Babes, um, my friends Hillary and Megan just started a blog called She League, mm-hmm. um, and I just love seeing women promote other women and also just support each other and this focus on connection, because mm-hmm. the other thing that's been inspiring to me lately is being off of Instagram. I deleted Instagram off my phone, and now I download it every few days just to check in and um, see what I've missed, and then I delete it again, and unplugging from Instagram has been a big inspiration for me to just allow for more space for Mm -hmm. creativity and just be alone in my thoughts and um, not be reaching for my phone quite as often, even though I still reach for my phone a lot, even just with email and stuff. Um, But yeah, I feel, yeah, it's so... What prompted you to actually decide that Instagram was like becoming a problem and you decided to delete it? Yeah, I, I just, I don't know if I have a, if I'm more addicted than the average person. I know a lot of people are on Instagram a lot, but I just found myself in every spare second reaching for my phone to check in and then getting sucked in for, mm-hmm. even if it was just like five minutes, but um, yeah, just constantly checking it. It just didn't feel good and healthy. And so yeah. um, I went off for a little bit and that was just a good experience to realize like, okay, who, after being off it for a few days, who do I miss seeing online? And really it was like my family and my best friends and, you know, my sister-in-law posts really cute videos of my (laughs) nieces. So that's what I was missing. And so when I went back on, I unfollowed a bunch of people or muted. Did you know you can mute people? Yeah, I just found out about that. Yes, it's amazing. So I, I muted a bunch of people or a bunch of people's stories. Like sometimes you want to follow someone, but you don't need to see like, their 10 All of their stories. stories. Yeah. <laughs> so it just, that that in itself helped me kind of get a handle on, on Instagram. So even now when I'm on it, it's not quite as overwhelming. Yeah. I don't have a handle on it. I'm so addicted right now. Just like with starting like an online platform and a, a business, I feel like I've just, it's it, it puts a lot of pressure on me to always be on the app. Totally. And scrolling and just even if I don't have anything to post or I'm not really engaging it's just like a muscle memory that I just always go straight to Instagram I actually had a friend who like she said after she realizes she's been scrolling for like an hour she she's like oh I feel like I just ate a bunch of McDonald's like (laughs) I just feel so gross yeah um I 
and it, there is a lot of pressure, especially with owning a small business, mm-hmm. that you feel like you have to be on there. And, you know, I definitely feel that pressure with free period, too, that I should be posting more. But, um, you know, until I... I always want to be doing it intentionally and Mm -hmm. feeling like I'm posting something that adds value to people's lives and not just promoting a product. So um, because I haven't been able to put the time into creating those really high quality posts, I just have decided to not post very much unless I have something really specific that I want to say. Because forcing it also, if you're trying to force a really sentimental or meaningful post it won't really come across as authentic anyway yeah exactly and um yeah so social media and small business especially is something that I'm thinking a lot about and um I I might be I'm I'm working on a a zine um the start of a zine that's about unplugging and your relationship with social media and more of like an interactive workbook to help you examine your habits around social media and how to have a healthier relationship around it that's gonna be really cool I'm really excited about it when did you get that idea was that recent have you been developing that for a while I've been thinking about it for at least a year yeah because it's just been on my mind a lot and um I know a lot of other people are struggling with it too um and there's more and more research coming out about habits around social media and how how we can kind of get those get that relationship in check and so which is actually good because there's a lot more resources that I can be researching and pulling from to kind of create this thing so um so yeah along with like you know my own experience yeah Yeah, I feel like Instagram is such a great resource but it's just something that we don't really know how to handle I've I've said that before on the podcast I, I think but we just it's new to us like it's totally not something that's been around for thousands of years so we're just like going hog wild I know and I think people are starting to realize and you know think about how how they're using it um but you know something I realized with growing the free period brand I guess is that um while social media I know a lot of people use social media to grow their businesses but there are also other ways to grow it doesn't just have to be through social media there are Mm -hmm. also other ways to be growing your business and so those and those ways you know if it's like for me um I could be focusing more on getting traffic to our website so people order free period things through our website but instead because that relies a lot on social media. Instead, I've been focusing a lot of um, free periods growth on wholesale orders. So mm-hmm. getting free periods products into bookstores and boutiques around the country. Um, and by reaching out to store owners, it's it's just a different way of growing. So just, yeah. th- just thinking about other channels of getting the word out about your yeah. business. Um, that there are There's more than social media, even though that's kind of what we're told today right. is like you have to be on social media and you have to be yeah. out there doing it. That's interesting. I That makes sense for if you have like a physical product. I wonder how that affects people who are more of an online sort of business. Because, I mean, you can go to events and flea markets and you really get out there in front of people. Just Yeah, no, it, it, it is definitely different with a physical product. Um, it is. I think it is trickier with digital products mm-hmm. if you're promoting a blog or something like that. But right. and even then, so yeah. So with this, this scene that I'm working on, I'm really thinking about like how how to help people reexamine their habits and 
how we can just be more intentional with our use. So mm. if it's if it's like small hacks, like actually shutting your phone off at a, at, at a certain time every night so that you're not going to be on it mm-hmm. um, for the rest of the day. Or um, I even thought about having like getting a used iPad or something and just having Instagram on that mm. so that I could like have it as like a separate thing that's yeah. not on the on my phone that I'm taking with me every day. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we can't upload photos from our laptops cuz that would even be I know. Yeah, it's really frustrating that the like desktop version of Instagram isn't more user-friendly. You also yeah. can't um, access DMs from your so desktop strange. app. It's because which, they want us to be on our phones totally. all the time. Totally. <laughs> yeah, like it's very clearly designed to keep us uh, engaged and yes. it's really infuriating. It's crazy, isn't it? Weird to think about that that they they actually are trying to control you and you know, make sure you're on Instagram while you're driving. Yeah, no, it's 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 really crazy, and I've just been thinking about that so much about how much of our te- technological lives are just being designed for us, and you really have to be. I mean, that's so much of what free period is about is like being intentional about how you're living your life, because if you don't decide what your goals are or how you want to be creative. Mm-hmm. there's a lot of things out there that will decide it for you and right. just like fill in the, the void. The control's like, just not yours yeah, anymore. Right, like, oh, it's, it's really easy to turn on Netflix if you don't have the other thing that's really calling to you. So it's like, what is, what are the hobbies or um, projects or things yeah. that are important to you? Even if it's just, you know, like hanging out with friends or cooking a healthy meal, what are those things that yeah. are really important to you? That's cool. I want to dig into that a little bit more sure. later. Um, but I did want to ask, before we backtrack, have you noticed your maybe absence on social media like benefiting your business at all? Or what has that looked like for you? Yeah, I, I still have a lot of guilt around it because I know that I could be growing, um, growing the business more on social media. But um, it, it has helped me focus on these other aspects of my business that I would probably not be as focused on. So especially right now, I'm in this um, period of working on developing new products. So there, mm-hmm. I have a lot of irons in the fire right now of new products that I'm working on. And so just being able to focus on having a couple of hours chunks to really dig in and, you know, do some like deep things thinking focused thought on what I want these new products Mm -hmm. to look like um I think I've been able to focus uh, more on those ideas Mm -hmm. because I'm not constantly being distracted right yeah that helps all right so let's go back to the beginning yes okay so you're from Cleveland originally right yeah I'm from Willoughby which is a suburb on the east side okay so that's like a half hour or so from here yeah do you have siblings? I do. I'm the fourth out of five kids. Ooh. Yeah, so I'm from a big Italian family. Oh. Um, my parents moved here after they got married from, from, from Italy. Oh, my. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so, yeah, that was a really big part of my childhood was um, I have a lot of first cousins. I, I have, like, 40 first cousins. Oh, my gosh. Not all of them lived in Cleveland. A lot of them live in Italy and um, Argentina and Canada. But um, I have a lot of cousins that I was really close with growing up. Um, so family was a huge part of my childhood and we would go back to Italy to visit my grandparents every few summers. Um, and that, that was a big part of my childhood too. So did they, um, did your grandparents ever come here to visit? They did, um, before I was born though. So not when I was Mm -hmm. alive. 
Yeah. Wow. So Italian culture has been a big part. Like, go into that a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking about this because I, um, I know that you asked this question on the podcast. So I was, when I was thinking about it, I was like, thinking about my childhood and thinking about how, yeah, I think during the school year, I had the kind of American side of me, which was like very um, type A perfectionist, <laughs> overachiever, like I was a really good student. And I was involved in a lot of sports and um, I was, I swam in high school. That was my big thing. And I played the piano and all that kind of stuff. Um, And then in the summer, I kind of, that's, it's almost like that's the Italian side of me where I just had like no structure (laughs) and, um, you know, swim team was happening. But other than that, I was just like reading books and riding my bike and um, just like wandering around in the woods behind my house and um, and the same goes for Italy. So my parents are from a super small town um, in like two and a half hours southeast of Rome. So really kind of in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And so there's nothing to do. I didn't really know Italian. It was usually me and my younger brother that were there. Mm-hmm. And so we would just be on our own to make up our own games and go for walks and read so many books. And I think that really was the beginning of like my creativity and mm-hmm. imagination. Cause you just had so much time to just make up stuff. Yeah. It wasn't as, cause I know, especially nowadays kids are pressured to go to soccer and go to summer camp and do this and that and that. And so there's not like a lot of room to just explore what your mind and your heart wants. Definitely. And I kind of I kind of miss that now for me as an adult, you know, like mm-hmm. it's I feel like now I'm trying to always making making sure that I'm creating that s- space for myself where mm-hmm. um, even if it's, you know, I love going on vacation to kind of recreate that. But even if you're just at home, like I, I now I know myself well enough to know that I can make plans like two nights a week. Other, mm-hmm. And beyond that, I kind of get burned out or really yeah. tired and. Um, so making sure that I create space to just be doing nothing. Do you consider yourself an introvert? I feel like I'm one of those weird mixes of like, too. <laughs> I go crazy if I'm alone by myself for too long. Um, but, you know, I, I also need my alone time. So um, I, I'm probably more on the extrovert side. But I think there's kind of this like false dichotomy where it's yeah. like, just because you're an extrovert doesn't mean you don't need alone time, and introverts also need to be social That's too. That's true. So. <laughs> I've started to label, not that I should label myself, but maybe consider myself more of a shy extrovert, because I still oh, yeah. really like to be around people, but I'm, I've am i always been, like, people have always been like, oh, you're so quiet, you're such, a, you're such an introvert, you don't like to talk, and that always, like, made me feel kind of bad about yeah, myself. Yeah, right. Um... No, I feel like people are more complex than mm-hmm. those simple extrovert, yeah. introvert labels that we put on ourselves. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you were growing up in Cleveland with a lots of lots of Italian culture. <laughs> yeah. Swimming. Swimming. Um, playing yeah, piano. More, yeah. And other than that, I was, I was just a, really into school. You yeah. know, I just got good grades and studied a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, yeah, then I went to Oberlin College. Um, which is about an hour west of Cleveland, and studied environmental studies. And so um, that was a really great experience. After college, I um, got a job at what is now Land Studio so um, as a project manager. So I was um, working on um, – they're a nonprofit in town that does, like, 
public art and green spaces and public space projects in, in Cleveland. So I was collaborating with the city and the county and the metro parks to um, work on these like urban trail projects in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you want to go into environmental studies? You know, it was it was just learning about. I've I've always been kind of a tree hugger, and so um, just this learning more about climate change. Mm-hmm. You know, I took environmental studies one hundred and one at Oberlin, and just you know, there's so many overwhelming environmental issues happening that mm-hmm. I was just like. It, it was really inspiring to me. I was like, yeah. yes, I need to be doing this and be taking action. Um, and so, so yeah, that's that's kind of what drew me to environmental yeah. studies. So, so after college, you ended up working in that field? Yeah, so as close as, I, I guess, you know, like you could go a lot of different ways with environmental studies. You can go more of the science route and more like biology. Um, I mean, you can really, I mean, environmental studies you could do so many different things you could Mm -hmm. go into teaching or um, nonprofit work or more field work you know working in a park system something like that right but um I've always been kind of the more like project manager type I guess Mm -hmm. like just super organized and um pretty good at like collab working with other people and trying to just like make stuff happen yeah um so that's that's what drew me to the job that I found. Yeah, and then school. you ended up going back to school, but um, in what you do now, do you think that what you were studying in environmental studies, do you think that still kind of plays a role in what you're doing now with your business and your current job? Yeah, it's it's definitely different from... Um, my my current life is, is pretty different from what I studied and... Um, and all of that, but it still underlies everything that I do. So I'm still really conscious of mm-hmm. environmental stuff with everything that I'm doing. So, you know, with Free Period being a paper-based yeah. company, you know, I'm always super cognizant of the post-consumer content in the paper that we use in all of our printing and making sure that we're recycling, you know, anything that we don't use or um, even things like you know, defects happen with products. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'll get a coloring book that has like a bent corner and I can't sell that, but I'll donate it to like a local library or the Boys and mm-hmm. Girls Club. Um, so definitely thinking about, even though we're a tiny company, thinking about that like product life cycle and making sure that everything gets reused that yeah. can get reused. Because mm-hmm. you said earlier that Free Period Press is always very intentional about everything so just that's another thing that you want to yeah have a te- intention around yeah for sure mm-hmm. okay so then so you were working at that job and then you ended up going back to school right yeah I um I I knew that I wanted to get my master's and I can't say why really except that I just saw myself as someone who had a master's degree <laughs> which is not a great reason to like go back to get a master's so I was trying to decide what to what to get my master's in, and um, was debating between you know nonprofit management or um, urban studies or urban planning or getting my business degree. And I ended up getting my MBA um, because I um, just felt like I didn't know much about business, but I knew that business has such a enormous role in our society obviously so I kind of wanted to understand how business works and then I felt like whatever I end up doing 
having an MBA can't hurt, you know, Mm -hmm. like, because a lot of it is not just about understanding business, but a lot of it's about, like, leadership and um, how to run an organization. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I felt like that would come in handy no matter what I was doing. So you got it in business. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly, yeah. Cool. And then, so, where did you go for school for that? Um, I went... So I was doing that part-time while mm-hmm. I was working full-time, um, and I did that at Weatherhead at Case. Mm-hmm. And then you went, did you work at American Greetings also? I like, yeah, can't keep track no, of it. Yeah, so <laughs> I feel like everyone works there. So after I finished my master's in business, I, um, I was like, well, now that I have this business degree, I feel like I kind of want to work at a for-profit business yeah. to understand what that world is mm-hmm. like. So, um, But I didn't want to work in a place that was too corporate, even though I wanted to work at a big company. And so the perfect job came up at American Greetings um, in their new product development department. So it was, um, it's kind of the entrepreneurial arm of American Greetings that has more of a startup feel Mm because they're trying to create new products within this bigger company. And so I kind of did the same role that I was doing at the nonprofit, which was like project management and coordinating you know, between the business and the creatives and um, the retailers to work on these new products and try to get them out into the world and mm-hmm. see um, what we could make happen. Yeah. So that was a really good experience um, and a lot of fun. And I'm, there's so many talented artists that work at American yeah. Greetings. It's so awesome to work yeah. with so many Seems of like them. Seems t- like a really inspiring place to be yeah, in yeah for sure especially with the new building the new headquarters is Where's, really cool. is that in, on the, in Cracker Park that's what I thought yeah. okay cool um so during this time in even back into your childhood were you ever thinking that you might have your own business I can't say that I really like always had that entrepreneurial bug mm-hmm. it was probably during my MBA um while I was at Case that I took an entrepreneurship class and realized that, um, yeah, especially like compared to my classmates, I think seeing myself in in a group of business people, seeing that I had more of a creative mind within business, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, oh, maybe this is is something that is like sparking a natural interest for me. Um, So that's probably the first time that I really thought about it. And that's when I started Free Period was while I was in school. at case Mm -hmm. so walk us through like what that process was like like when the idea kind of landed on you to kind of reference big magic um and what happened after that just like the whole process what what did it look like yeah so um man okay so so I was you know working full-time getting my MBA but there was part of me that felt like between work and school, I wasn't having a lot of time to be creative or it felt like I was kind of this like two-dimensional person. I just felt like there was there was more that I could be doing cre- mm-hmm. creatively. Um, so I thought that my solution was to start hosting a craft night with my friends. And so I started inviting friends over, encouraging them to bring whatever creative project they cool. were working on. So if it was a, a knitting project or... Um, you know, anything like that. The problem is, while my friends are very creative, everyone was kind of like, I don't have a craft to bring. And so we would kind of just end up hanging out and drinking Mm -hmm. wine, which was very fun, but not (laughs) the intention. Right, right. Um, Didn't turn out the way you thought. Right. And so I was was like, okay, what's an easy craft that we can all do? Um, So if someone doesn't have a craft, they can 
mm-hmm. you know, have some have a default activity to do. And I thought about coloring. Mm-hmm. And I know adult coloring books are everywhere now, but when I had this idea... When was this? Um, okay, so this was maybe 2013. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I, th- I remember around that time it was just kind of popping up. Yeah, so this was before any of those existed. And I think we were actually the first... Um, adult coloring book that was not that was not um like of a subject it was just like geographic shapes like mm-hmm. abstract uh, abstract shapes and um so so yeah so I had this idea and I asked my friends um Aaron Guido, Ali Forbes, and Joe Lanzalotta if they wanted to collaborate with me so I'm not a designer or an mm-hmm. artist I'm I just had the idea and so mm-hmm. They are really talented artists, and so I asked them if they wanted to collaborate with me on this yeah. idea. And so we made our first coloring book, and we had a Kickstarter project for it, and it raised $13,000 and went incredibly well. And so that was the beginning of Free Period. And so, yeah, it started off wow. with coloring books, and it's shifted a lot since then, but yeah. that's how it started. Um, so... How did you, like, what was that process like with the whole Kickstarter and getting that all to work out and, like, even printing it and, like, just the nitty-gritty? Yeah, it was a huge, huge learning process. So um, this was in the beginning days of Kickstarter where um, people were checking out Kickstarter just to see what projects were happening. Now there's so many projects on Kickstarter that it's it's harder to get people to support your project. And we've even seen that with later projects that we've launched. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not the instant um, kind of traction yeah. with a Kickstarter project these days. But this was kind of early days of Kickstarter. So, you know, I mean, like, I had friends help me record the video, and that's always nerve-wracking to, like, be on camera mm-hmm. um, printing. Um, Allie had a family friend that had a print shop and so we went through him and he helped us like pick out paper and decide what would be you know high quality but not too expensive and that's always the kind of trade-off that you're working with um and then you know having them design it they are so talented and they did such a good job that that was really easy it was my first experience kind of being in a not really leadership role because it was definitely a collaboration, but yeah. you know it was my idea, so I right. kind of had to um, tell them what you wanted. Sort yeah, of. which is not my nature. Like I, I'm such a people pleaser that I never wanted them to feel like I was telling them what to do. I was always like, I don't know, what do you guys think? I'm cool with whatever. Yeah. Um, is that something you think that has shifted in you since having your business now for five years? Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, that's probably one of the biggest things that have mm-hmm. changed um and I actually wrote about this in um a zine that was published in Good Company oh yeah that, I want to talk about that yeah for sure. <laughs> um that that whole article is about um kind of getting your how to how to work the the title is called how to collaborate with friends without making things weird oh yeah and um the yeah the idea is just like you need to be clear with what you are looking for because mm-hmm. they are looking you know your friends are going to be looking for direction too and you just have to own that it's your project and your idea yeah um and be clear with your expectations so there is no gray area because that's kind of where issues come yeah. up for people i guess oh it's easy to just 
assume that they can read your mind and they know what you want or like oh it's okay if I don't tell them this but then I'll you get upset later about it yeah especially if you're friends because like you feel like oh you know what I like or Mm -hmm. you know like you understand you can kind of read my mind and you know like how this is going to work and it's like no you really have to spell things out so that everyone's on the same page and Mm -hmm. there's no weirdness yeah so when this first coloring book came out like, did you have any idea that you were going to create, like, a whole line of products, sell at Cleveland Flea and <laughs> online, and even have Grace Bonnie of Design Spun reach out to you? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. Like, it, I always thought that it was just, like, a one-off project. And yeah. I think that winter we, we were at one of the first holiday Cleveland Fleas, and it was, looking back, it's just really silly. I mean, it worked out great, but, like, we had one product. We had, like, one... <laughs> one coloring book that's so funny <laughs> and um that was it and yeah yeah now we've grown a lot but like yeah and that's kind of the thing with free period is that I didn't have like this grand vision from the beginning of what I wanted it to be it's kind of just been a series of like having an idea for a new product and then making that product and then publishing it to the world Mm -hmm. um and then having an idea for another product and so it's just been like a series of baby steps that has slowly grown into a company and I feel like it's just recently that I'm it's I'm starting to have an idea of like what is free period what does it stand for um and having like a more clear vision of where I want it to go in the future so let's talk about that a little bit first of all what does free period mean and maybe more about like what your intentions are now with the business and what kind of your mission is with it? Sure. Um, so yeah, the uh, initial idea in the name free period press came from, you know, this idea of coming from a craft night and wanting to create a space that was kind of like a free period that you would have in high school where you could be working on whatever project you wanted. Um, and, have have the space to um yeah kind of just do whatever you want and not have someone tell Mm -hmm. be telling you what to do so that was where the name came from and um beyond coloring books we um our first non-coloring book product was the habit calendar Mm -hmm. and that came from reading um the happiness project by Gretchen Rubin um and she talks a lot about habits and and even before that I had been tracking my habits in a way um just like on a spreadsheet so things that the little things that the whole thing with the habit calendar it's like the little things that make a big difference in your life Mm -hmm. so just making you feel a little more like an adult like making Mm -hmm. your bed in the morning and washing the dishes at night and you know those kinds of things um and from there we you know I'm really interested in self-improvement and productivity and creativity so we started making more and more products that are based in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, but then more recently, um, as the world gets faster and faster paced, I also wanted people to slow down and be really intentional about what they're, why they're being productive mm-hmm. and you know what their goals are so that they're not being productive for productivity's sake, mm-hmm. um, but being really intentional about it. So um, we created a self-care zine that just is literally just a book of ideas for self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so w- where Free Period is now and where we're kind of heading is just we're still doing productivity tools and 
um, tools to help you kind of discover more about yourself, mm-hmm. but also connect with others and um, be more productive, but have that come from a place that you are already enough, even if you mm-hmm. aren't productive, you know? Yeah. like that's um, a big thing. I feel like it's easy to think that you're not doing well enough because you're, you're not, you don't finish your to-do list, you're not doing enough creative projects, you're not, you're not your success, basically. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like really separating that um, your, your self-worth is not tied up in your productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want you to do creative products, projects and, um, and create things that make the world more interesting, but know that even if you don't do those things, you are already enough and you need to be taking care of yourself so that you can you know, create more things and connect with people in a meaningful way. Exactly. And with things, products that you have that are like the um, habit calendar, and then there's another one that you have. Oh, yeah. Um, more... Schedule Magic yeah. is our like, to-do mm-hmm. list. Yeah, so like with those kinds of products, it's kind of intentionally designing your life in a way that makes space for that free period in a way if that makes sense exactly so I think a big focus for us moving forward is like when are we being productive and when are we not being productive like just because you didn't finish your to-do list today Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you have to be working on it all night you can just call it quits for the day and pick it up tomorrow it'll still be there you know yeah absolutely um so when how do you go about thinking of or just coming up with new ideas I know I read in a blog that you were featured in that you always have a notebook and when an idea comes to you you don't just write down the idea but you write down where you were and what you were doing at the time so can you dig into that a little bit man I mean inspire that like moment of inspiration is like my favorite feeling in the world like that when I have that spark of a new idea I just love that feeling so much. It's kind of like an addictive drug for me. Yes. So I that's why I write down what I'm doing. So I'm, I want to recreate that moment mm-hmm. as much as I can. Um, so, sorry, what was the question? Just um, you, how you write down where oh, you are yeah. and like just dig, yeah, dig yeah, in. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, um, I write down every idea I have, every like weird phrase that I think of, because maybe it could be a sticker one day or, you know, turn Mm -hmm. into a a different product. Um, But it might come from listening to a podcast or, you know, a lot of times as, you know, a lot of people know with creativity, it often comes like in the shower or washing dishes or going for a walk. Yeah. Those times, you know, right when I'm falling asleep or right when I'm waking up in the morning, those times where you're not having other inputs you know, when you're not looking mm-hmm. at a screen, when you're alone with your thoughts. Ooh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, I'm kind of obsessive about tracking those ideas. And Do you um, think it brings in more creativity in a way? Like more, an abundance of more ideas? I do think that there's like a weird momentum. Like it definitely comes in spurts mm-hmm. um, where I'll have like several ideas in a week and then there's then I won't have any for a while and I'll get real freaked out like oh you know like why aren't I having more creative ideas but just trusting in the process that you know creativity kind of comes and goes and you just have to roll with it Mm -hmm. and um yeah do you think that that was a practice that you started because of the business or was that something that you had have always done 
Um, I don't think... I'm trying to remember if I did it before. Um, I think I always did it in one way or another, but I don't know that I was always so... Um, I think it became more present as I got more mm-hmm. into free period. Um, but knowing that a lot of those ideas aren't going to go anywhere. Like, they're often really bad ideas, and that's okay. <laughs> like, it, yeah. it's often just more about having the ideas and keeping... Um, it's sometimes about quantity over quality. You know, like, you have to have a lot of ideas to have a good idea. Yeah, that's true. And get rid of the... Just kind of brain dump all the yeah. not-so-great ideas. Yeah. How yeah. often do you think that... Like, how... Out of like five, ten ideas, how often is does it become oh, something? Like maybe one in twenty. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably something like that. So interesting. So when you do have an idea that you actually want to take seriously, what's the process like for from start to finish, from the idea to actually turning it into a physical product? So this is where. I feel like I'm a little bit different than a lot of other entrepreneurs who might like have the idea and then like jump right into it. Like I I kind of like my ideas to marinate often for almost a year or more because I feel like the idea kind of evolves and maybe Mm -hmm. I'll have a different idea that's related to the first idea and it just kind of, you know, if you think about it, like sometimes it's a spark of an idea at first and I'm like, that's a cool idea, but I don't really know what it would look like or mm-hmm. what it would be. And so it takes some time for me to kind of flesh it out and see like what form that might take or what I want it to look like. So a lot of my ideas um, take a year or more just as I'm thinking about it. And I'll, you know, talk to my partner about it or um, talk to Katie, my designer, um, and, you know, they, they might add their spin to it or what they think it could be. Um, but yeah, so it does take a, a while, but I feel like um, there are some where, and yeah, it's, it's hard to know when, when it's ready, mm-hmm. um, but at some point, I think it feels like you hit a plateau and you're like, okay, I think this is it. Let's, let's try this. Um, and that's also been a really big part of free period is taking small steps. And so maybe um, testing a prototype of mm-hmm. something where you're not producing like 10,000 of them, but maybe making 50 and taking them to the Cleveland Flea and seeing how they do there. Yeah, another Um, reason why markets like that are so helpful to test out the market. Especially because versus online, where you can Mm -hmm. be talking, seeing a person's reaction in real life um, versus if someone's shopping online on your website, you you don't know how they're reacting to Mm -hmm. it or why they might buy it or why they're not buying it. Yeah. So maybe, for example, like, let's say the self-care zine. What yeah. was the process of creating that? So that one was actually a quicker one. Oh. And, and I'll, that was <laughs> right after the election. So right after Trump got elected, Katie and I got together and we were like, what is happening? Everything's the worst. How, what can we do? Like, what can Free Period do? And, you know, the couple of days after the election, I had to really talk myself down and say, like, okay, this is a really scary time for a lot of people in this country, but, um, you know, we have to take care of ourselves because if we're going to make change, we can't be taking care of others or making the world better if we're burnt out and not taking care of ourselves first. So that's kind of where the idea, uh, that idea came from. Mm -hmm. And we were so fired up 
that like that one i mean bless her heart katie stayed up till like <laughs> pulled some all-nighters to like get that um out into the world really fast so that maybe only took like a month or something wow yeah and then so maybe another what's another one that maybe took longer so the habit calendar took probably a year or two and Mm -hmm. so for the first year I was just printing out excel spreadsheets and using that as my habit tracker and that was like the really rough prototype and I I made some for like friends and families to to test them out and give me feedback on like what they thought about it Um, but I was really like printing out excel spreadsheets um, to track habits Mm -hmm. Um, and then after a while I was like okay I feel like I got the format down and um, so I asked my friend Nicole Melville to design it and she did an awesome job mm-hmm. um, with I that. love it yeah Thanks. um do you find yourself getting kind of antsy I feel like when I have an idea I just want to yeah put it out right away do you do you feel just kind of calm about just like taking your time or are you just kind of anticipating when it'll actually be out into the world mm-hmm. I feel like I'm calm while the idea is marinating but then once we're in design and production mode, that's when I'm really excited to get it out into the world to see if people are going to like it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's when I'm, you know, um, that's when I get the most excited and anxious about, yeah. um, you know, are people going to buy this? Are people going to like it? And then, of course, like, I'm such an optimist that I'm like, this is going to be, you know, free period's big hit and it's going to sell a million <laughs> copies. Yeah. Um, so... So yeah, that's probably the time of like the most tension with that. Yeah. So you you sell your products in Barnes and Noble and like lots of big box stores, but at first you were just at the flea, right? Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. So what was that that growth like? Like how did that happen where you were had the opportunity to get out in front of a wider audience? So that being in big box stores is a really new experience for us. So um, we have been slowly growing over the past five years. And just last year, another company, another stationary company um, called Ecolo um, reached out to us and they really liked the self-care zine and they have already have the relationships with the bigger stores. Mm-hmm. So they're in Staples and TJ Maxx and places like that. And they said, we want to like repurpose this artwork um, to make into journals and some other products um, to put in these stores. So it's so it's it's really different from the other stuff we do because it's more of a so it's a licensing partnership mm-hmm. where we provide the artwork and we provide the designs, but then they manage production mm-hmm. and they manage selling it into the oh, stores okay. and all that kind of stuff. So. It's a really new thing for us, but we're really excited about it because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to reach a lot more people than we could otherwise. Yeah, that's so exciting. Thanks. Um, so when you are collaborating with someone, since you're not the designer, what what is your role in creating the product? I mean, I guess you come up with the initial concept and then throughout the rest of the process, like, what are you doing? Yeah, so, so yeah, I come up with the initial idea and sometimes... Um, a little bit more about the format so I might like sketch something out and um, to explain like what I'm thinking Mm -hmm. Um, and then um, while I'm not a designer I do love design so it might be yeah I I might provide like a Pinterest board Mm -hmm. or some kind of like mood board to 
provide some reference of like, I like things that have this kind of vibe or I'm thinking these kind of colors, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, things like that. Um, and then, and then providing feedback on their design. But then most of my time is spent on the business side of things. So figuring out how much it's going to cost to make the thing. So getting quotes from printers, um, and then all of the marketing. So getting the word out about the product. So, um, coordinating with a photographer to get photos taken, um, adding it to our line sheet so that we can sell it to our wholesale accounts, um, posting, you know, drafting all of the product descriptions and the social media yeah. posts and um, all of that kind of like back-end stuff. Too. So you're pretty much doing, wearing all of the hats except for actually drawing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you work a full-time job still. Yeah, yeah. So free period is still uh, my side business. So I can imagine you're not really sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) No, I actually really prioritize sleep. So um, I there's one you know once in a while I get really busy with free period and I'll get you know you know Gary V. I think I know of him. Yeah, is he a podcaster? He's a podcaster and an author, and he's he's very much of like the like hustle harder yeah. and like sleep when you're dead like right. that kind of thing and so sometimes I'll get into like Gary Vee mode where I was like <laughs> I just gotta do it I'm a small business owner I'm gonna make it happen and then I don't sleep for a couple days and I was like oh this is not worth it I need, yeah I need to rest <laughs> and yeah. so um so yeah I, I do because I do prioritize self-care free period grows a lot more slowly than it c- probably could be growing mm-hmm. but um, I really like my job, and I um, I I appreciate that free period can like take its time, and I because I want to be intentional with everything right. that we're doing. Um, yeah, I think we are just growing slowly, and so but it does make me really focus on what's most important, which kind of goes back to not being on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's like I need to focus. You know, if I look at my to do list, and this was the whole idea behind Schedule Magic too. So. You know, you write your whole to-do list, but then you say, okay, which of these tasks are going to get me closer to my goals? And so usually there's, you know, just a few things on that giant to-do list that's like, okay, if I do these things, I'm going to be way more closer to my goals than if Mm -hmm. I do these like 10 other things. Yeah. Um, So it's really, it's made me focus a lot on like what's going to get me closer to my goals and what's, what can wait. So, mm-hmm. like, for example, our website is, like, not cute <laughs> at all. That's and, hilarious. And it, like, could be a lot cuter. But for now, it gets the job done. Right. And until we have time to, like, work on it more, mm-hmm. it's fine. Yeah. So what is, like, on a day where you are coming, you're, you are really focusing on your business, but you're also working, what does that day really look like for yeah. you? Um, good question. So it definitely varies a lot, but I... Um, try to work on free period stuff for an hour before I go to work because that's kind of I'm I'm definitely a morning person so that's when I'm um most focused um so I'll get up make breakfast and then work on free period for an hour or so before I go to work then I'll work all day and then go home I try to do yoga most days after work just at home um, and that kind of helps me switch gears. Um, and then 
at night because I can't focus as well. And it's hard, you know, after working a full day, it's just harder for me to dive into staring at my screen again. Mm -hmm. So that's when I'll like fill orders or do something that's a little more mindless than like manual labor. Right. Um, so you can watch TV while you do it. Yeah, totally. Right. Um, so that's kind of the good routine that I found. Mm -hmm. And then on the weekends, I'll usually have one day where I'll set aside a a few hours chunked to like go to a coffee shop or the library to dig into some meteor tasks Mm -hmm. for a brief period. Yeah. So I want to talk about the collaboration that you had with Good Company Magazine. How did that opportunity come about? Um, So I don't know how or when, but... (laughs) Grace Bonnie from Design Sponge somehow found our self-care zine out in the world. And um, it was actually the day I was leaving for my honeymoon that she emailed me and said, um, she was like, hey, uh, I'm Grace Bonnie. You know, like <laughs> she like introduced herself in her email and I was like, um, I know who you are. <laughs> and, I can imagine. Yeah. And she, I mean, she's not like a god, but I still know, like... It, I would get really excited no, if someone I've, like that just decided to reach out to me. Totally. I followed her for years and yeah. she's, she's incredible. And um, so, yeah, so she reached out and she's like, I love your self-care zine and I would love for you to um, to have a, a mini zine in our next issue of Good Company, which was the Fearless issue. And um, to her credit, I mean, she, she left so much of the – creative freedom up to us of like she's like pitch whatever you want to talk about that has that's related to fear in your business um and you know how you overcame it Mm. and so I thought about it um for a little bit and I was like you know I'm not a huge risk taker so there haven't been a ton of moments of like being really afraid in my business but there is there was a lot of kind of uncomfort like being uncomfortable with um like I was talking about before, leading, being a leader, telling people what to do, um, working with people in a way that um, they felt like they had clear direction and Mm -hmm. they had what they needed to create their best work. Um, So that's when I pitched the idea of how to collaborate with friends. And we had a phone call and she was like, she was like, oh, I totally relate to that. I'm the, you know, I'm so, I've had a lot of experiences of um, working with friends where it didn't turn out well. So I think that would be really great. And so I wrote it, Katie illustrated it and she like didn't have any edits to the whole thing. You know, like I was just, I was sure that she was going to, um, you know, tear it apart because I was so nervous about turning that in, but she, she loved it and it went in just as is. Wow. Yeah. So once it was in, like when you had the copy of Good Company Magazine, a magazine created by this person who's like beloved in the design world and has been a blogger for so long. Yeah. Like how did that how did that feel? It was it was pretty surreal and to you know, by that point I had looked I had been looking at the thing that we had created so much that it and but then it had also been like six months since we had worked on it. Because mm-hmm. you know you turn it in and then there's this long turnaround time. Um, but it was really surreal when I first saw it in the world because I was at OCN and dropping off uh, an order of free period stuff for the shop Mm -hmm. and I saw the magazine on the table and I was like oh my gosh I didn't even realize it was out yet and it it was the day that it 
released. Oh my god! And so I bought all of their copies. <laughs> and um, yeah, I so it was like it was such a pleasant surprise too to just like see it in the world when I wasn't expecting it. Like yeah. I didn't even go out right. intentionally to buy it. I just found it That's in the world. So. And magical. <laughs> I know. And, and the poor um, woman working at the shop at the time, I was like, I'm in this. And she was like, oh, okay. Like She was very sweet about it, but I was like way too excited. I, as anyone would be. Yeah. That's, it's so cool. Can people still acquire that? Because I never got a copy. Is it? I they... think it's still out. Yeah. Um, so I th- it, was, it was the second issue and it's called, yeah, it's the fearless mm-hmm. issue. I think it's still out. Okay, I'm going to try to get a copy. Yeah, cool. I really want one. So in your business now, it's been five or six years? Um, yeah, I guess coming up on, it'll be six years this summer. Mm-hmm. Have Have you ever been through any rock bottoms where you just like didn't want to do it anymore? It was just, just not exciting, not fun, not inspiring. And how did you get through that? Yeah, there's been a few... Um, since free period has always been a side business, it hasn't really been a rock bottom in a way that I um, was ready to just like stop. But I kind of just naturally would like float away for a while and just not work on it for a while yeah. and then come back. And now that there there are more products and I have more orders to fill consistently, um, I'm kind of more in it every day. But for a long time, it was it was just a side project, and mm-hmm. um, so. So yeah, I would kind of, if I wasn't feeling it, I would just not work on it as much. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say a couple of things. One is there were a couple of products that we launched that were kind of flops. Mm-hmm. And when you only have, you know, 10 products total and you put all of this work into creating something and you're, you know, hoping that people will like it and then it, you know, you put it out there and nothing happens, um, that can be really tough. And um, going back to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, productivity does not equal Mm self-worth. It's also like you're more than your creative project projects. So like realizing not having your self-worth tied into um, like for you, like, not knowing that you are separate from newsroom and that's your mm-hmm. creative project, but yeah. that's not what defines you. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I I feel like that's a lesson that I've had to constantly relearn because you do put so much energy into mm-hmm. it that you're like, oh, it's my baby, but really it's like separating yourself. Like, okay, I can no matter what happens. Like, fr- free period is just a thing that's out in the world and I can you know no matter what happens with it it doesn't determine my happiness or things like that is that something that you still have to remind yourself of yeah for sure especially in that peak moment of like it's it's such a vulnerable moment to put something out Mm -hmm. into the world or especially you know as as long as I've been doing it going to craft shows is that's a really vulnerable moment too because you know hundreds of people are walking by your table and um, you know, most people are really sweet and polite, but then you get a couple of like eye rolls or, you know, and, and so that can be a really vulnerable place too. Cause you, yeah. you're like, this is what I made. I hope you like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that can still be a scary moment. Um, so that's one thing that you, that I think I mm-hmm. revisit from time to time. And then the other thing is like, um, 
you know, even though I have my MBA, my business degree, you you would think that I would be a, <laughs> a better business person when it came to free period stuff. But it took me a lot long time to figure out the financial piece of mm. free period. And um, last year, I read a really great book called Profit First, and it really helped me reframe how I handled the finances of free period. Because for a long time, I was, you know, because free period is not my full-time job it's not I don't require income from it and so I would just take all of the money that I made and invest it back into the company Mm -hmm. and realizing that that's not a sustainable way to run a business because that becomes really stressful if like an unexpected um, expense comes up or something like that so being more serious about the financial side of free period was a really big step too um, Mm -hmm. because that was yeah, really stressful for a mm-hmm. long time. It was like, you know, hoping that one day you'll make money and then realizing like, oh, you have to be intentional about that part too and right. like really think about how the financial piece is structured. Yeah, because I know you said that you got your MBA in business, so you should be like not – I mean, I I know that you yeah. you know what you're doing, but yeah. I guess you don't really know what you're going to be coming up against until you're actually in it. Yeah, totally. So, and, you know, you can study and read all of the books and listen to all of the podcasts, but I feel like you have to just, you learn the most just by trying something and you you learn so much as soon as you're doing it. Like last year we went to a trade show for the first time. We went to the National Stationery Show mm-hmm. and I read every blog post about trade shows and took an online course about trade shows and like just studied so hard. And then I did feel very prepared when we got there, but it was also like, you know, you just never know until you try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would you say to newer business owners? So because I'm so risk adverse, I, I'm never the kind of person that'll be like, quit your job, do what you love, you (laughs) know, like all that kind of thing. But like, so my advice is always to take the smallest first step that you can Mm. um, and um, to just, you know, think about what you want to do and just break it down into like, what's the very first thing that I have to do that would get me closer to that goal? Because um, it's kind of like, if you if you set your goal for like a specific point that's like a mile down the road you might get there and realize that that's not where you want to be at all Mm -hmm. but if you take the very first step you can like reassess and look Mm -hmm. around and say like okay is this the direction I still want to be heading in or do I want to change paths a little bit yeah and so by taking a lot of small steps that that's my advice to everybody. Yeah, I, I feel like everything that you do just has a lot of intention. So, thanks. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting to hear about your process. It's all very very intentional and oh, just seems very organized. I yeah. admire it. Oh, thanks. I I wonder. I feel like I kind of overthink a lot of things too. So that can yeah. be part of it too. That yeah, that can also you know be a struggle overthinking and being maybe too intentional but yeah it's definitely a good thing yeah balance in all things yes Mm -hmm. so is there anything that you're excited about coming up yeah so we definitely have a a few new products coming up um that I don't want to give too much away but um there's a a lot that's going to be coming out like this spring and summer and fall so um 
a lot of things about goal setting and productivity, um, but, you know, grounded in a way, um, grounded in self-care. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say that people should, this is kind of a teaser, but sign up for our email newsletter mm-hmm. so that um, you can, we'll let you know that when they're out. Cool. Um, I'm really excited about that. And then um, we um, were helping out um, our friend Lindsay Joe mm-hmm. Scott. Um, is starting a an event called Side Project Sessions, and um, she it's this it's this really cool idea of just getting people together to work on the projects that you always put off. So um, it's I think three hours. The first one in Cleveland is April thirteenth, and there's also going to be one in Akron. Um, I forget that date, but it's going to. The one in Cleveland is going to be at the um, Sale Loft co-working space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really excited about that as a chance to just be in a – I feel like it's going to be such an energizing room for everybody to be in this – to work, be working together um, on projects that they really care about um, in kind of this, like – I don't know. I just feel like that's going to – there's going to be a lot of good energy yeah, there. I'm excited. I yeah. hope I can make it. Yeah, me too. Um, and then we are collaborating for a book club, which we still need to talk about. Yes. <laughs> by the time the episode comes out, I'll put some. I'll talk about it in the intro or something. Cool. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that. the The book is um, "How to Not Always Be Working" by Marley Grace, um, who is a really interesting artist, and um, the the book is really interesting and has a lot to do with what we've been talking about mm-hmm. about. Um, not getting sucked into our digital lives too much and um, having healthy boundaries yes Mm -hmm. um, around work yeah absolutely all right well is there anything else you'd like to share no thanks so much for having me this was really fun and my first podcast so thanks for being such a great host thank you so much for sharing everything i loved hearing about everything that you do so thanks baby yeah thank you Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Laura. If you would like to connect with her, follow Free Period Press on Instagram and check out the website. And don't forget, you can use the code MUSE, M-U-S-E, all caps, at checkout for 15% off your order. That is code MUSE, all caps, at checkout. Well, that is all I have for you this week. I'll be back next week with a new episode, so stay tuned. In the meantime, sign up for the book club. If you're in the Cleveland area on Sunday, March 31st, I would love to hang out with you. Information for tickets will be in the show notes. Until then, I'll see you around on the internet. Follow me at Museroom Podcast on Instagram or shoot an email to museroompodcast at gmail.com. Have a good rest of your week and thank you for listening.